Hello and welcome back to the Science Behind That podcast. I am your host, Atticus Hamilton. And for all of you new listeners out there, the Science Behind That is a show where we take a deep dive into the obscure science of everyday life into the science of everything from physics to engineering, and biology to zoology, and psychology to anatomy, we take a deep dive. So without further ado, welcome to today's episode of the Science Behind That podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Science Behind That podcast. I'm your host Atticus Hamilton and on today's episode, this is season two, episode one, and we are going to be talking about plastics. But before we start, I owe all of you, all of my viewers out there, an apology. I took pretty much like a two-month hiatus for no reason. It was unintentional. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm sorry about that. Uh, but I, yeah. I had some troubles with my podcast hosting site taking down um, my old episodes. Uh, so I think I fixed that problem, but I'm not sure if those old episodes will be re-uploaded. If they're not, I'll just re-upload them manually. Uh, so anyway, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a lot more... Um, we're we're going to stick to the Monday-Friday schedule. I know this is coming up on a Tuesday, but after today, we're going to stick to a Monday-Friday schedule for these episodes. So, everyone, sit back, relax, grab yourself a cup of coffee, add some maple syrup in it, and we'll get right into today's episode of the science behind that. So, everyone has experienced plastic in their lives, unfortunately, and the even further unfortunate thing is, even if for whatever reason you're living alone by yourself on an island somewhere you've experienced plastic a lot of the world's plastic ends up in the oceans and that is going to be something that we end our discussion today with talking about why it doesn't biodegrade well I mean it does but why it doesn't uh, break down under normal conditions Uh, why it doesn't biodegrade under normal conditions that's what we'll be talking about today at the very end of the episode but up until then we'll be talking about first what is a plastic and then how are plastics made so let's jump right in so plastic is plastic is a branching term for a polymer that is either natural or artificially made that either includes the base element carbon or silica and forms long carbon or silica based chains so a plastic then is just a big polymer basically and it's a polymer where the central atom is either carbon or silica and what do i mean by central atom i mean the atom in each subunit that all the other atoms come off of. That's a central atom. <clears throat> in chemistry, we call those uh, sp3 hybridized carbons, uh, or sp yeah sp3 hybridized carbons. Um, and that's what we call them in chemistry, anyway. So uh, 
They can also be silica, and if silica is the fundamental element of a uh, of a plastic, then we create something called a silicone. Wow. And we use silicones for knee implants and surgical uh, implants and such, and sometimes surgical tools. Um, so. What is a polymer then? Because just want to define our terms, right? A polymer is a very, very large molecule that is composed of smaller molecular building blocks almost. So as an example of this, think of a flag, right? What is a flag made of? Well, the small components of a flag are individual strings, right? So if a flag was a plastic polymer, then the individual strings would be the monomers that make up that polymer. So it's very similar to that. And there are a lot of different ways to get these monomers to make the plastic, to make the plastic polymer. So additionally, around 92% of Earth's plastics are uh, called thermoplastics, which are meltable plastics. Or another way of saying this is 92% of Earth's plastics are recyclable. Um, <clears throat> which I think is an issue that's brought up in like some environmental uh, uh, studies classes or th classes like that because not all of Earth's plastics are not only biodegradable but they're not not all of them are uh, recyclable and it's that thermo thermoplastics that are the recyclable ones why are they called thermoplastics one simple reason ladies and gentlemen they can melt if they can melt, they are thermoplastics and they are recyclable. So, how are plastics produced then? Well, there are a couple different ways to produce plastics. We're only going to discuss one today because we're only going to worry about um, uh, the, the synthetic plastics. So, synthetic plastics are generally made using... Um, oil, crude oil, natural gas, or coal, um, and you may be thinking, whoa, what, what do we do with that? Well, what you do with that is you can separate the raw molecular components of each of those, and then you can combine those monomers to form a larger polymer. And so, um, some of the subunit monomers that you can derive from petroleum are ethylene c2h4 propylene c3h6 and butane c4h8 um and those are actually very important um monomers for plastics um and the main thing is that all of those those uh, monomers that i just mentioned they have a double bond between two carbon atoms and that's really important because you need a double bond between carbon atoms to form a polymer chain why do you need this because double bonds are stronger than single bonds right so if you had a chain of all single bonds right you would have something closer to a phospholipid in biological cells and phospholipids are very very easy to break uh, un or saturated phospholipids are very easy to break and so you want that double bond and generally it'll be like an alternating sequence of double bonds so every other bond is a double bond 
um, you want that double bond to increase the strength of the polymer. <clears throat> so, once you have the monomers, like ethylene, propylene, butene, um, benzene, xylene, once you have all that, what do you do? Well, what you do is there are two different ways to uh, molecularly combine these um, monomers. There is an addition reaction, which we'll talk about, don't worry there. And then there is a condensation reaction, okay? So for an addition reaction, all you do is you use a chemical called a catalyst. And what a catalyst is, is a catalyst is any molecule that speeds up, the re increases the rate of reaction or speeds up a reaction to take place. And so what you would do for an addition reaction to make a plastic is you'd put your monomers all together and you'd put it in a very hot reactor and then you would add your catalyst, right? And um, what would happen is that would increase the rate at which one monomer links up with another monomer. Uh, because, again, a catalyst is a molecule that increases the rate of a reaction. Um, and that's all, that's all you do. For an addition reaction, that is all you do, right? I, I like that one. That's pretty simple. Unfortunately, not every plastic can be made that way. And so, for the other ones, you use a condensation reaction. So, how does that work? Well, a condensation reaction uses catalysts as well, right? But what happens is the catalyst polymerizes both uh, monomers in a gaseous phase in a liquid, and then those monomers condensate, and then another catalyst uh, polymerizes those monomers together, and so you have two adjacent, two attached monomers, which is called a dimer, and then you do the exact same thing, a catalyst is used to attach two dimers together, and so you have, or a dimer and a monomer together, so you have a trimer, and so on and so forth, and you can do this as long as you want until you build your desired length of plastic polymer. Um, so the benefit to a condensation reaction is there are no byproducts to this. Um, compared to an addition reaction, there are byproducts to that. So that's always favored because you don't have toxic plastic byproducts going into the environment with this reaction, right? And that's that's pretty much it. Um, the only other thing to add here is that... Because <clears throat> you may be wondering, well, Atticus, is this what has or adds the color to plastics? No. Um, color is added to plastics after the reaction has occurred. So when you have a molten ball of plastic, basically, you can add colorants to change the color of the plastic, antioxidants to increase the durability of the plastic, foaming agents for like um, polystyrene cups, building, uh, building boards, and polyurethane carpet underlays, um, plasticizers for, to make the plastic for wire insulation, 
um, you can add lubricants to it to help or for making plastic fibers, etc., um, etc. Et you can use or you can add antimicrobials to the plastic, which interestingly enough are in 90% of the plastics that compose shower curtains, shower heads, wall coverings, etc. After, and those are just called additives. And then after that, you let the plastic cool or you heat it up again and put it through a press to mold it into whatever shape you desire. And that's it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how plastic is made. So, <clears throat> on our final note here, because I'm an environmentalist and I love the ocean, we're going to be talking really briefly about issues with plastic so i hear this statement a lot from people that plastic isn't biodegradable and that is not entirely true okay plastic is biodegradable to an extent there are very specified organisms or very specific microbial organisms that have the enzymatic capability to break down plastic one of those microbes is a microbe called Elcanivoraxis borcomensis. That is a oil metabolizing microbe and that has been shown to also possess the ability to break down plastics. The only issue with this is while these microbes are in all over the world, they are generally very, very, very slow to break down the plastics. So if you, for example, have a plastic bottle floating in the ocean, is it going to get broken, biodegraded by Alcanovraxis borcomensis? Yes, but not fully, nowhere near fully. In fact, the microbe will just aid in deteriorating the structural integrity of the plastic to allow it to photodegrade. Now, what is photodegradation? Photodegradation is where due to light and the harshness of the environment, the plastic breaks up into tinier and tinier and tinier pieces of plastic, but that plastic is still there. So in the oceans today, the oceans are full of these what are called microplastics, which are just tiny fragments of plastics that get everywhere. They get into seafood, they get into humans because we eat the seafood, and they're toxic because the chemicals that were used to make them leach out into the environment or into the organism that ingested them. <clears throat> and unfortunately, the my, my I love I'm a microbiologist, so I love microbes, but unfortunately, our little microbe friends are a little too slow to stop this process. So what does this mean? Well, there is a company in uh, California, I forget their name, but there's a company in California that are making methanogen-based plastics. And those are plastics that are built from polymers that are proven to be able to, to, be, able to be biodegraded by methanogen microorganisms. Methanogen microorganisms are simply microorganisms that can break down methane, well, well they release methane while they break down hydrocarbons. And this plastic that is being designed is easy enough to be broken down by them that it won't photodegrade, it'll just biodegrade in the environment. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for today's episode of the Science Behind That podcast. 
I hope you really enjoyed it. I know I had fun writing it. And don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. There will be one on Friday. And there will be one next Monday. And Friday after that. So don't you worry about me going away again. I'm not going to. If you have any suggestions or comments for the show, you can be sure to email me at thescienceBT at gmail.com. And until further ado, ladies and gentlemen, have a good Tuesday morning. And remember, stand up and question everything. Thank you.